Ball Podcast. I'm Jimmy Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Malcolm Boucher. Now, guys, we are back with round three of this all-time team bracket, and we're wrapping it up today. Um, for If you're out there, uh, we've got two episodes that we've done already, kind of introducing it and then running through the first round. We're getting to the second round and the final today, and guys, how are you How are you doing? Are, you, are, we, are we ready? I'm ready are to go. ready? Definitely. I feel like as as we, we we've gotten to this point like last last week was kind of like, kind of a sweep but i feel like there's going to be some some dissension here today with the matchups that we have we, we've got the miami heat you know the heatles as it were playing against the chicago bulls and we'll also have the 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 warriors um against the uh 86 87 lakers so let's go ahead yeah. and and by um, the way I love how unintentionally, Richard, this ended up being uh, East versus West. And then we're going to end up with an actual finals matchup, like East versus West finals. So I thought that was kind of cool. It wasn't intentional, but I thought that was cool. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, it could have definitely gone swung the other way. I mean, had had the 2001 Lakers been able to pull it out, like, we're, yep. you know, we're not talking about it. And then we're just all grumpy because there's two Lakers in, in the finals. But, uh. um, or in, in, in the in the, in the matchups, fi- final matchups here. So let's go ahead. And I think we got to start. With the one versus seven again, the, the the seeds were all just randomized. But the 2012-2013 Miami Heat versus the 96-97 Chicago Bulls. Um, man, it's starting to get interesting, guys. What are our, our initial thoughts? Where, where are we drawn to with this uh, potential series? Again, placed in our current day rules. What do we think? I think the it's you know it's the 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 old MJ uh MJ or LeBron debate. It's like this is like the you know best options for both guys. You know this is we've decided this is the best Michael Jordan team. We've decided this is the best LeBron team. Like none of the Cavs teams that were offensive dynamos with some suspect defense made the list for our teams. Um, but here we are. Um, there's I think this Bulls team like we talked about a little bit in the um in the first round is like they they have. They have a, a decent amount of shooters here to kind of like, you know, not not be out of place being a good offensive team in this er- current era. Not to mention a uh, theoretically more freed up Michael Jordan than, you know, some of the maulings that you you would see. Granted, in the regular season and stuff, you know, people just didn't play defense then either. Like, well, we won't let that, you know, narrative push through too hard, but. Like, I think I think the Bulls are a very healthy modern team, especially when you talk talk about guys like Pippen and Kukoc who can handle the ball as large larger players, keep the ball, you know, and offense flowing. I don't know, um, Elkin. I'm I'm just looking at this team. And I'm, I'm thinking they're they're ready for modern basketball, much like the Heat. Obviously, were one of the teams that kind of brushed in this, you know, yeah, high high emotion offense. And I was thinking, I remember one of the things we said that like the Heat could really give it to the old one Lakers was their swarming defense. I thought about a lot of athleticism, their pieces, and it feels like the Bulls have the pieces to be just as athletic as the Heat. And that's the interesting thing where you look at it, like you would expect some of the older teams to struggle to keep up with the newer team. I think that's one of the things we brought up with some of the older teams. How can they keep up with new basketball, new players, things like that. But it looks like with this Bulls, even though you don't have like Michael Jordan, Pippen, or Robin, and they're very in their youth, youth, youth. They're in their uh, early to mid thirties at this point. 
we are talking about that they were still athletic enough. I mean, you have a lot of switchability, and that's one thing I like about it. I think that's pretty going to need with this Heat team. You're going to need a lot of switchability. And I think we can kind of feel like defensively, I think we we can agree on who how it would be with LeBron, who would guard like LeBron and D-Wade. Like we know Pippen will probably take LeBron, and then Jordan will guard D-Wade, which would be, I mean, that will be an interesting matchup on its own. It's And it's interesting to me because you kind of see, for, I mean, for me, I'm going to look at like Dwayne Wade being a, a post player a lot of times, and Jordan was a post player. They're both very strong guards. I'm interested in that, but I think this is going to come down to the role players for this matchup for me is going to come down because you have a lot of star power, and it's just with a lot of games, like who has the better role players and a better system to counteract what the other team is going to be doing. You, you begin to, like, again, take your mind through some of the matchups and, you know, you talk about, you know, the depth here. It's like, are we getting, are we getting Norris Cole minutes in this battle, uh, like, uh, you know, battle of these two superpowers, like Norris Cole, like really, are, are we, are we getting like, how, how deep are we going in, in this Bulls roster? And, and what do these matchups look like? I mean, you, you look at it and you think to yourself, well, you know, you, they kind of are probably having Dennis Rodman with, with Bosch, right? Obviously there are switches that will tend to happen throughout the game, right? You, you, you put Scottie Pippen on LeBron James, Michael Jordan on um, Dwayne Wade. I, I would imagine, I would I would guess that those three cross-match against each other, correct? Like, I think that that's, that's probably the way it goes. I, I would say most likely. I mean, Ron Harper was no slouch as a defender. He's a very good defender, very big, long-limbed point guard. I would think he, he'll have his, his time guarding some of the um, some of the stars of the Heat as well. But then you got, like, all right, so Mario Chalmers out there. Like, that's probably the initial matchup. Then you've got, like, okay, Ray Allen, right, Com- coming off, given given his, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Um, and, you know, Steve Kerr, similarly for her, for the other for you know, the other squad. Um, I, you know, it, it feels as though, um, as far as depth goes, like Miami, I mean, Norris Cole's seeing time. Shane Batty is definitely seeing time. I think he's huge in this series for for Miami. But it's like Udonis Haslam, Chris Anderson, Mike Miller. Like, I, I don't know, like, at this stage yeah. how, how how many minutes those guys are, are getting. But then you could say the same thing about the Bulls um, bench. So Yeah, and, I mean, and I, you look at it because if you look at, like, playoffs, Ben, it's like the Bulls are pretty much down to uh, – I'm going to go eight-man. I mean, more seven-man, but, like, seven, eight-man – uh, roster and then for Miami Heat, I don't have the stats to look up when they got to the finals because yeah they have like ten men, ten people playing double digit minutes. But I feel like even when it came to the finals, the Miami Heat were also a team that were closer to seven eight players once they got once everything got down to it, and that's what I think it's going to come down to to those. I'm like I'm cutting it off to about eight players. I'm thinking who are the top eight players on both sides. Have your starting five and then three guys to come in to either give them some relief or to provide, you know, your, your core bench guys. Cause like we know with uh, the Mammy heat, I believe Ray Allen was their top minute getter off the bench, I believe. And then with the bulls, it was Tony Kukoc and those are legit bench guys coming off the bench. So it's after that, I'm adding just like, for me, it's like I'm adding one or two or another one or two people after that. And then I'm cutting it right there. Yeah, undoubtedly these the, the benches are going to tighten up. So like right like 
the, the Heat had a little bit more, I think, of a unique like roster setup where you know there some teams they're playing a little bit bigger again. So you'd see um, Chris Anderson have a more important leg, like part of a series. You know, Dallas Hanson was still starting most of the games um, that he played in the playoffs. Like there was 23 games total. He started. Um, he started 19 of them. And Mike Miller got five starts in there as well, and then Dwayne Wade missed one game, which is where it, it's where that's how they you know went a little over twenty three there. But we're so so let, let's let's take it to like game seven of the Miami Heat, right? They they're starting Mike Miller instead of Udonis Haslam, and Udonis Haslam barely gets a minute. Chris Anderson is getting eighteen. Ray Allen and Shane Battier, those are the only guys off the bench getting time. And again, this is a specific matchup for. Like, like you mentioned, like play, play, playing a little bit bigger, specific matchup for the San Antonio Spurs. And they've got their big man. you got, got to deal still with Tim Duncan, right? Whereas you take a look at game six, you know, of the finals for the Chicago Bulls, and they end up, you know, it's Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc, Bison Daylight. No one else is getting more than double digits um, for for the Bulls there. They, you know, they get Jed Buechler getting eight minutes. But, like... So, like, it's about eight-man rotation, but you look around, and it's like, well, I, I – Chris Anderson's probably getting minutes in this game that I don't I don't know how much he would get in, in this particular matchup. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't so, see – I don't see any big guys on the Bulls who – you know, Dennis Rodman obviously is going to dominate the boards to some degree. Like he's going to he's going to be a menace in that regard. But like, but he had to play. You know, a Chris Anderson, a Joel Anthony in the regular season, a Udonis Haslam for parts of the playoffs because you know playing against a team like the Pacers with David West and Roy Hibbard. Like there was there was opportunities for the Heat to lose out on some easy like good defensive possessions by not being able to secure a rebound because they had guys like LeBron and Dwayne who were far more interested in getting out and running in transition if they had the opportunity to than they were worried about getting rebounds. So I think with the, this this Bulls team and it primarily being a, a Pippen and Rodman rebounding show because Luke Longley while playing 22 minutes per game in the playoffs he's really their only true big like Bison Dele not like a traditional huge center. So I think Chris Anderson would have a pretty minimized role in this series. Probably just a foul trouble thing um, if Chris Bosh was struggling to stay on the court for whatever reason, which could happen because they got a guy like Michael Jordan who would be uh, putting the putting the hurt on the rim in terms of rim attacks. Yeah, and that's what – and the Bulls, as they – with their series, I know we had more traditional big man lineups back in those mid to late 90s, but depending how things went – I think you would have to see, like, is Longley going to be... I mean, pretty much Longley and Kukoc for that fifth spot in the rotation. A lot of times, like, they split that fifth spot. Like, that's how it was. I mean, with a little bit of Bison Dele being their third big guy. But, like, I could see, like, Tony Kukoc playing a lot more minutes. Like, if the Bulls are like, we have to adapt. This is new NBA. I could see them bringing, like, Luke Longley off the bench and starting Kukoc. Let's just say, like, this team's going to a Game 7. Or they might just be like, we're going to go with the traditional start, Luke Longley. Let's keep him there. But we're going to give, like, Tony Kukos 30 minutes in a game seven. We're going to play it out. Like, that's what I could see happening. But, I mean, Ethan's rhyming. You having a Chris Anderson come in, maybe spell some minutes. Like, for me, that will be the Bulls to say, like, oh, they're bringing in Chris Anderson. We're going to bring in Luke, Luke Longley at that point. And they're kind of cancel each other out at that point. 
So, I mean, this really comes down to, like, you know, the big three versus the big three. So, I, I mean, I, I I don't necessarily see either team getting necessarily a great advantage um, with, 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 with their guys, you know, with, with their bench. I think having Shane Batty is probably, you know, that gives you maybe a one up if you're if you're Miami, you know you get you got a shooter coming off the bench and um, Real and Steve Kerr and and having Batty just being another another person to, you know when when you've got to give a, a little bit of a rest to to one of your guys or someone who can get out there and, and just provide some defense and spacing, but do we do we think that with with the big three, I mean, do do you give the you know is Jordan enough to you know overpower um, I don't know. Give the advantage to Chicago. Uh, uh, I mean, with, with where Wade was this year, you know, this year kind of being the, I don't know. I feel like the the, the slight decline compared to year previous. Obviously, they, they figured out how to play together here, but I don't know. You just you just wonder. Um, is he is would, would he would Jordan give them the advantage in this situation? I I think it would be cl- pretty close. Cause like mm. I while, while Dwayne. Um, definitely was not his his best version of himself, and it's hard to it's honestly like his best version of Dwayne's self was the uh, Mavericks Finals where he was mm-hmm. trying to play by trying to play by himself because uh, we had a we had some vacancies in the other positions. But Dwayne like was still like really soft play like you know he's playing only thirty five minutes per game um, compared to LeBron's forty one. Like this team just was such a like a ball movement happy team that like you know guys like Mario Chalmers. Like Ray, like all those guys had full, like, autonomy to shoot when they caught the ball. Like LeBron was setting people up, making things happen. Like, I, I really don't think, I, I really think like the the problem that Dwayne causes and like causing the series is like how how engaged and and focused can he be on defense a lot to make sure like the, like a, a, a uh, Ron Harper doesn't like get a bunch of wide open threes because he's trying to get steals. I, I think LeBron is better than Jordan. I've always, I mean, that's my opinion. And then this is this is peak LeBron, and Jordan's somewhere in his peak, you know, in the in the trajectory of peak. I, I think I don't I don't know if he pushes it over because I definitely would say Chris Bosh is a better player than Dennis Rodman, um, in terms of versatility. And I mean, in the playoffs that year, he shot forty percent from three. And I think if you know we ever got any mismatches from switching, where if, like it wasn't. If, if it's someone other than Pippen and Rodman ended up on Chris Bosch, I like his ability to, to isolate. Like, I, I, I do want, like, this is going to be a really hard delineation here because, like, those those three on each side have their strengths, like, you know, with Wade being not the, you know, 30-point-per-game score that he could be sometimes. That was not who this Dwayne Wade was. Yeah, and, and for me, it's... So a lot of these games in those late '90s Bulls, it was Jordan initiating the offense up at the top of like the at the elbow, pretty much, and he would either like set up up someone who was cutting or try to do posts. And like, I don't think Dwayne Wade like Dwayne Wade is shorter than Jordan, but I don't think Jordan's gonna be able to push Dwayne Wade back. Like Dwayne Wade's a really solid guy in the post. That's that's what I gathered from him. I don't know if you guys saw anything different, but as far as post defense, Dwayne Wade was able to. We write a lot of resistance. Now, I'm interested to see how Scottie Pippen guards LeBron because if we're talking about this Scottie Pippen one year away from the back injury, that worries me a little tiny bit. If we were having like Scottie Pippen from 92 or 93, he'll be ridiculous as far as defending LeBron. But this Scottie Pippen, he's bigger 
Because that's, that's the other thing I was worried about. You had a younger Scottie Pippen who's more athletic, quicker, could definitely do that. But this Scottie Pippen is bigger. So I'm, I'm interested to see how well he can actually bother LeBron. But I can imagine LeBron is going to think, like I think Ethan brought up, like LeBron, he's like, I want to look at what other people are doing. And if we're getting 2012, 2013 LeBron, it kind of felt like he had figured out a lot of his postgame and a lot of creating from that area by that point of his career. And, and that's what I want to like get into here. Cause like up to this point, LeBron at the rim and with, like, honestly within 10 feet had never, never actually shot the ball as frequently um, at the rim or within 20, 10 feet. So I, I feel like, and maybe Ethan can remind me like, is it is this really when LeBron said, Hey, I'm going to start getting into my post game and, and taking people who I'm bigger than mismatches and operating out of there. And because I have Bosch who can space the floor a little bit more, it just gave him a little more space and freedom there. Is, is this about when well, that's happening? Well, that that phase started the year before after he didn't post up J.J. Barea in the finals. And then, like, they still had a lot of opportunity because Chris Bosh, even while not spreading the, uh, the floor to the three-point line um, fully, he was still operating, you know, in that Udonis Haslam mid-range. But, like, everyone stayed on him because Chris Bosh was a killer in terms of his own, like, being able to make, make, make anything happen once he got to 15 feet. Um you know, we had guys like uh, you know, Udonis Haslam still even like you had to respect it a little bit because he was he was a pretty good you know that little mid range ugly jump shot he has, but like I would say LeBron did make a big stride in the consistency of his playmaking abilities and like options out of the post. It wasn't just a score; it was a lot of times to set up a secondary action like for a Mario Chalmers three, a Mike Miller three, a Ray Allen three, like so much more like, like I was talking about how we, this team spread the wealth a lot in the scoring department. Yeah. Like Dwayne Wade wasn't a good shooter. He created most of his offense was self-created and everyone else was just eating out of LeBron's hand because that's the way it was going to work best. High, high pick and roll. Um, just get the mismatch and then have LeBron ping pong it around the perimeter for open threes because not to mention regular season wise Rashard Lewis, Shane Battier, Mike Miller, Norris Cole in the corner, Mario Chalmers everywhere and Ray Allen. Like when it wasn't LeBron, when it wasn't Dwayne on the court with him, always had shooters. It was a big, I, I just wait for the double to come and bing, 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 bing. There it is. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, as good as Pippen was like LeBron's got such a, like does have a size advantage on it. And can you hold up if you're Pippen in, 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 in the post there without, without needing to send the double? Cause I think, I think that ends up being a pretty big thing here. I mean, it, it, it will be interesting for me is how much is Pippen going to gamble on those entry passes? And if the game, how will the game be called? Like, cause sometimes rest lets you get away with kind of going around the opposite player to get those steals. And how would that happen? And, I'm telling you guys this because I saw this live. I do worry about Dennis Rodman with Chris Bosh being able to spread the floor the way he does. Cause, and I was talking to Richard about this before the before I started recording. Dennis Rodman loved to chase rebounds. Like his playoff numbers, I'll tell you this: like Dennis Rodman's playoff numbers were ho hum. Regular season though, 16.1. So like offensive rebounds, it's great that Dennis Rodman gave you the offensive rebounds, but defensively, oftentimes he would just leave his man completely. So if we're talking about like Yes, they're, they're playing the game like it's played now, but if he has the same mentality, I'm trying to think of how many open shots Chris Bosh would get because I felt like 2012, 2013, Chris Bosh really 
really began to spread out to the three-point line at that point. Like he he was messing with it a little bit more mid-range, and then in 11-12, the shortened season, he messed with it a little tiny bit, but I felt like 12-13, he really spread it out. And that will be my concern. Like, I mean, Dennis Robin, he might just try to frustrate the heck out of out of Chris Bosh, but I do wonder how that's going to be played. And then, and then we have to think about, I don't know how you guys feel about this as far as X's and O's. We talked about here a lot how Eric Sporter is as a coach, and we speak highly of him. Now, we know that Phil Jackson has been given a lot of talent in his coaching career, but how do we feel like he is as a coach handling game playing and handling the in-game adjustments that he has to do? Because that's another thing I was thinking about. Because I think for me, Eric Spoelstra is one of the better coaches at making adjustments throughout the season, throughout a game, compared to other coaches. Yeah, this would be the first time Phil Jackson's ever been in a playoff series without the best player in the series. We're talking about like his best teams, right? Like I'm, I'm biased, but I'm looking at LeBron as the best player in the series. And, you know, it's it's one thing to it's one thing to have, you know, a, a really good system that works and flows and everyone's on the same page. But, you know, if they if they get into an alpha off, I mean, it's 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 anyone's game there. Yeah, but like at, at the same time, like I mean, even if even if you don't want to concede, okay, LeBron being the best player in this series, okay, like, but like we've never you've never had it where it's been at least this close. Like, if you're yeah, that's true, if you're that. So, and and the other thing that you wonder with you know Phil Jackson, um, and, and perhaps this is something where the bias skews toward the newer teams here is you know Phil Jackson was in love with with his offense, in love with the triangle offense, and it's great, but with rule changes. You know, he he wanted to he wanted to, you know, run run his triangle offense when he was in charge in New York, and uh, maybe without thinking about the the context of hey maybe maybe there was a reason why this worked, um, you know, why this worked better in in the in, in the time and era with with those previous defensive rules where whereas now, I don't know if I I don't I don't know I want I do wonder if if you would adapt and, and I, you know the fact that we are putting you know the modern day rules probably does skew slight bias toward the Miami Heat in with within this oh and I think the important thing is not get caught up in some of the sample size I was, I was kind of looking through Tony Kukuch's stats stats and I was wondering like how good of a shooter he actually was like he was not a very good player in that playoff run in terms of like any of stats honestly and I was like then I'm looking at Shane Batty and I'm like well, Shane Batty actually had a really rough playoffs but he he kind of like he, he had some important shots in the finals, like kind of kind of coming back around and into the fold. But like you know, Shane Batty was a 38% three point shooter for his career. Happened to shoot 30% for the playoffs, was shooting 40% in the regular season for the Heat. Tony Kukoc, um, I would say similar in importance to the, the team. Um, not as good a defender as Shane Battier coming off the bench, and not as good a shooter, better facilitator. But again, like one of those things, like how much facilitation is Kukoc doing? for this team when we're talking about peak of level of performance in the finals against a Miami heat defense. Like I just, I just look at, I look, I look at the heat team and I, and maybe it is just familiarity with how they played. I just see a more cohesive, like everyone has a specific role assigned. Like, whereas I look, I look at the, the bulls and I'm like, I see some of the, I, I, I just personally see problems with like, what's this player do best. Okay. How are they going to do that against the heat? Oh, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if they're gonna have it. It comes down to like to me, how much can Michael Jordan just absolutely bully 
whatever options the Heat put on him. Because I feel like LeBron's not going to guard him all the time. And if LeBron's not guarding Jordan, the Heat have some issues guarding him. I mean, you, you also, again, Dwayne Wade, one of, one of the best guard defenders. G- good good for a lot of things in terms mm-hmm. like good like good defender, undoubtedly. But, yeah, I, I think something important to realize from, like, that Heat team and the time that they were playing and the time that they were great and they were a good defensive team is how many other great two-guard, like, two-guard type players were in the league at that time, right? We're talking about, like, a James Harden. We're talking about Kobe who was like also like on, on the way down, like who, but like who else was like really threatening from the two guard position. If you understand what I'm saying, we're talking this, like this is when like the, the point guards, like we're making their, their climb to this is what we do. We were small, small point guards. And I, I just think Dwayne got, got a lot of nights off in terms of he was able to do his help side blocks and do his, uh, you know, gambling defense without having to worry about getting taken advantage of. But this is also this is me being thing. objective. No, that's fair. But, but we're also at a spot where, these uh, Chicago Bulls teams didn't have to worry about quite as much help coming off of off of guys, you know, with with the rule changes, uh, you know, the, with with how defense was was played back in the day. And so, with that, it was very helpful for Jordan isolations. But in this, True. you're able to edge off and help off of certain people, right? Uh, like, so I, I just I I don't know if Jordan is as dominant in that type of a you know against a really good defense team in that type of a uh, setting where, where they can focus in and, and hone all all you know their entire focus on you not to say that you know Jordan couldn't do it it's just well when is he going to make people pay by you know getting getting like are are the other people on the team going to be able to make him pay when you know Jordan's drawn everyone he kicks and I mean I know I know there's the the classic oh kick to Steve Kerr and you know knocking the shot down like like okay that, great we, we we trust you in that one in, in that one play but consistently night in night out in a seven game series I don't know how frequently that that happens and I don't want it's uh, part of me worries here it's like okay we're doing this thing and are we really going to pick the the two most recent teams in in this to come down in, in the all-time teams bracket because uh, I don't know like <laughs> like does it feel fair, but is it necessarily wrong? And I don't know if there is a wrong answer, but um, I, I I know where I'm leaning with, with this thing. And I think it's interesting when we talked about, you know, the Spurs and how we were picking a Spurs team earlier in the process. And what we ended up going with was like a team because like obviously Tim Duncan and the earlier Spurs and maybe even David Robinson were better than like your Tony Parker and Manu's um secondary contributions like we're talking about uh david robinson specifically but with that being said we went with the the spurs team that beat this this heat team in a, in a series with some different circumstances and push them aside for who are they playing push the spurs aside for this bulls team like hard to <laughs> you know kind of hard to say that this t- this heat team from a year before would is, is going to beat the Bulls team looking at how the bracket went. Well, I still do believe that though. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like you look at, at this Bulls team and you know, who they end up beating in, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the Utah jazz. And it's like, okay, a lot of Greg Foster, a lot of Greg, a lot of Greg's Oster tag. And uh, it's, you know, the, 
you look around, it's like, okay, some, some, some lack of depth perhaps on the teams that, that, that they beat because of, you know, how expansion started, you know, dwindling things down. And obviously you had the, you know, uh, you, know you had Stockton, you had Malone, right? And, you know, Hornacek, Byron Russell, you know, you, you've got those guys there. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I, like, again, I think that this, um, I, I think that it, it begins to. I think it's again hard. We talked about this earlier on with like the Celtics. It's like, yeah, the, the they didn't. You know, they could get by and beat the teams in their era because you know even with the lack of of supreme depth. But I don't know if you can do that in in t- today's NBA as well. Like you need to have that depth in order to to make it happen. Like you look at whenever there's a new super team that's formed, you know. You need an extra year to get those mid-level exception guys in, to get you know the biannual guys in, you know, the ring chasers. Where whereas that first year, it's tough because you don't necessarily have all the depth that you, that you might need, and it, that that seems to be the issue that I, I look example. at here. Heat perfect example. They needed a Shane Battier, they needed a Ray Allen, they needed a Mike Miller. Like they need those three guys who are all around forty percent three-point shooters to come come into the fold all at the same time, and that's what enabled this team to be so so like good and available and like again say i i know where i'm i'm going with this series and i i, I just personally think that the heat have more like they, they if we're all looking at like the options that they have they have hero ball guys who can do it and i i think can still be successful and they got if you have to you know send help to stop lebron you have to send help to stop Dwayne on the games he's on you know chris if chris if chris bosh is making shots from a lot of areas, all of a sudden your pink, the defense is scrambling and the Heat have really good bit player shooters. So you you have Heat in how many games? In this I have Heat. Hypothetical series. I, 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 you know, I, I don't know where home court would come. So I'm just going to say Heat in six with seven. If like, let's say the Heat had the home court advantage. I know they do in this scenario because they're the one seed, a little bit more random, randomized. But I, I, I would go with the Heat because if we're talking, if we're, you know, we put the best players we put that out of wash i like the role players surrounding the heat a lot better than i like the uh the role players for the bulls i'm more convinced that this is six or seven than i am about any particular team like winning it like yeah this goes this goes six or seven games um and i again i think i just look at the, the depth of it all and think to myself yeah like I, I just don't know if the Bulls have the team defense to be able to make it happen. I don't know if, again, the, the periphery guys are going to be able to be good enough, deep enough. And so I think I, I, I lean there probably more so like heat and seven. Um, and again, it, it's, it's the, it's the rules that we put in place that kind of maybe skew it toward recency bias, but I don't know. Elkin. Man. I'll tell you this. I think I think I do have. It's just based on. I'm against this because I know it's it's hard to put it in today's terms, but probably because I watched them play live. I do agree with Richard that it's going to be like this is going to be a long series for me. I can see it definitely seven games, but I'm still leaning more towards the Bulls on this one, just based on what I saw them and what I saw some of those guys able to do. So that's what I'm going to say, but. I understand your guys' point of view. It's not like I'm saying, like, whoa, you're crazy to think the Heat would win. No, I completely get that. Thank you, Elkin, for making sure that um, any old heads among us don't totally just throw our entire pot <laughs> in the trash. So we, we, appreciate, we appreciate your help there. Oh, man. 
I, I, I said, I do think it comes down to, like, I just, even if we, we go, like, I don't, I don't really want to go past, like, the, even, honestly, a seven-man rotation for who's playing and who's important and who's contributing on a regular basis. And, like, the more I look at it statistically and, I mean, it does help that I have, I have you know, fonder memories of this Heat team and I have better memories of even some of the bit players for them. Whereas, you know, if I, if I go down the list, like, yeah, I can look at all the stats and I know that Ron Harper did this and that, but I know Ron Harper was getting older. Um, I know that, you know, I'm looking at Tony Kukoc and I'm like, wow, I feel like people talked about him being a lot better than his stats look, which, you know, I, I, but I don't have a depth of like all this Tony Kukoc experience. I remember him hitting a game winner that Pippen sat out of, but I don't remember watching a lot of a lot of his life otherwise so like i said it just comes down to like who am i who am i trusting i i saw the mike miller uh shoeless shoeless three saw the ray allen shot shots like just there's there's a lot going on in the receipts of multiple people whereas i think it's a lot on michael jordan's shoulders to make anything else work for him yeah like the average age of the contributors on the bulls team are are way you know it's it's more than the average contributors on the heat team and when you think about the defense that needs to be played in this series and how much ground you need to cover um if you're the bull i, I just it's, it's a yeah. tough ask like ray, ray allen and shane batty are the old heads and like that's how old like it's it's 37 age 37 year for ray allen 34 for battier grand ray, ray allen was a, a a crazy athlete in terms of how well he stayed in shape but we're talking about like a Rodman who's 35, Pip, Jordan 32, Pippen 31, Harper 33, and Harper's gonna be playing a lot. Like, like there's like only Luke Longley and Kukoc are on the under 30 side. Bison Daly as like that eighth guy in the rotation. Like not not a lot of, not a lot of young guys. And then I just I look at uh, Bosch and, and LeBron at both of being 28 years old, and I'm like, ooh wee. Yeah. Ooh, those guys are at their apex in terms of how athletic they can be. Yeah, I think it's tough. So overall, two to one, um, we, we, we have the Miami Heat uh, advancing. Uh, again, thank you, Elkin, for um, you know making sure that we don't get all negative reviews from uh, Jordan Stance. Um, our next matchup, 16-17 um, Warriors, 86-87 Lakers. Um, and I'll say, I, again, it's better this Lakers team than, than the Celtics team, but what is, how, like someone make the, could, could someone make the case for the Lakers, um, in, in, in this one that, that would be, uh, compelling, like that, 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 I think that's what I need someone to do right now for me. I, I think, I think I have it. Go ahead. So even in Kareem's old age, uh, there's no one on this Warriors team that can keep him from scoring a lot of points. I think if if you start Draymond on him to just kind of hopefully keep low center of gravity, keep him away from the rim, I think Draymond picks up a lot of fouls. Draymond like doesn't get to play as much as we'd like. And then it's, it's anyone's guess, although even maybe Kevin Durant goes and guards Kareem because just a height thing. Like if, if, if Kareem's got this, this high, you know, Kevin Durant, the most, um, you know, these are, this is a series of the two most unblockable shots in the, uh, in the history of the world, <laughs> yeah. right? The, the Kareem hook and the Kevin Durant jump shot, the two most unblockable shots. Um, let's respect Dirk, but you know, regardless, not, you know, put the facts aside for a, a good bit. Right. 
Um, anyway, I think there's a chance that Kareem, even in his old age, just can can really work like run the offense through Kareem Magic. As if you send help, like if if he has to put it on the floor, you send help. Kareem dumps it off to you know a cutting James Worthy, a Magic Johnson who immediately drives and kicks out to open shooters. Like that's the game plan. That's how it has to work. You have to be able to get the ball to Kareem to break down. Like that's a scoring opportunity. Anytime Kareem catches it near the paint. And the defense just has to break break the stuff down afterwards. But that's the only option. Yeah. And keep in mind, that's coming for two points at a time instead of three, which yeah. the Warriors have a lot of capacity to get three in any possession. And that, that's the thing. I mean, I think Ethan kind of brought up the formula is you have to slow it really, really slow. I mean, I know the, I know the Cavaliers got swept in 2018. I know that happened. But in that game one that they almost pulled off. LeBron pretty much showed that if he's like the way to beat them, you have to slow it down so heavily to, you have to reduce possessions, the amount of possessions that they get. So they get less chances to make threes. Cause that's their, their game revolves around that. And I think if you're asking a team to slow it down, this Lakers team is one of the better teams to do it because you're going to have magic Johnson and he's going to be able to do what he wants to do. I mean, he's not going to shoot threes, and I know, like, we, we can get into cross matchups how that's going to work because we know there's no way they're going to put Steph Curry on Magic. Like, we know Ma- – yeah, I think I think that would be a Clay Thompson Yeah, that would be a Clay Thompson with maybe – because I was going to say you might – you can't really switch. Actually, you might be able to get a switch on with a Draymond Green here and there because they might put Durant on James Worthy sometimes depending on who you're throwing out in your five lineup. But I think that this is the per- – now – with the caveat being, you're most likely going to be trading twos for threes. That's like the big, big thing. I mean, and we looked at, we talked about shooting percentage. Pretty much there's three-point shooters on very minimum amount of threes, people. We're talking about pretty much two to three three-pointers a game. Byron Scott, 43% pretty much. And Michael Cooper, 38%. So that's all they they have to rely on. Like, if we were to do, I mean... Because the way that I envision how we're doing this, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we're taking this team and dropping them in today's rules. It's not like we're giving them, like, as if this team had been trained to today's game. So, like, all these guys, like, because in today's world, you would have more of a James Worthy shooting threes. Like, you would have a guy like that at that position having to shoot threes, being a small four that he is. Like, he would have to shoot threes. And you might even have an AC Green being more of a mid-range shooter, which he wasn't. And Magic Johnson will probably have to develop more of a three-point shot than what he had but i'm imagining we're just dropping them in in today's rules that that's is that correct i heard it not i saw yeah. it not from ethan yeah and, I, I i would say like yeah these guys are going to take a couple threes more than what they are currently like they're, they're going to just take them because they're going to be open to them but like james worthy's role is still going to be like a slashing like, like it's, it's just like andre gondola took threes it doesn't mean he made yeah it. i mean and, and the thing is that like this team is built for slashing and post up compared to threes, like that's just the makeup of the team. They're they're. He- but if there, go ahead. But if there is a weakness of the Warriors' defense, it's if you can get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no great just absolute, a, ter- like scary scary thing at the rim mm-hmm. when you're talking about the, the like when you're talking about the the bulk of great finishers the Lakers have. James Worthy, one of the best like you know attacking the rim people in NBA history. Magic Johnson, a big man, a lot of finishing abilities, and also if you come if you come early to dump off for a different person layup, right? 
you're talking about Byron Scott, even good, good athlete, able to get to the rim, you know, like and, and finish, you know, through some people. And then Kareem, obviously, we know what Kareem does. AC Green, another good roller. Like we're talking about guys who, like, when they got to the rim, good finishers. And so I think with the the Warriors not having like that legit, oh, scary rim protector, they have the pieces to get buckets inside. I, I just again, it, you're trading it twos and threes a lot. We got we're talking about the the Warriors having three guys who can just absolutely like, shoot the cover off the basketball who are their primary options and Nagadala who's you know moving the ball a lot Draymond Green who's moving the ball a lot you know, and then <laughs> at the end of the day Sean Livingston gets the matchup with Byron uh, Byron Scott and all of a sudden it's it's mid-range city and they're getting beat just like it's Jordan Jordan at the end of the at the beginning of the 90s they get this this Warriors team is overwhelming in so many regards, and I'm laughing at their their, their playoff minutes because I'm looking at these minutes for Ian Clark and Patrick McCaw and Zaza Pachulia, who I know started every game but didn't play a lot. And I'm like, oh, you guys got so many minutes because the Warriors blew every blew a lot of teams out. <laughs> like, that's why these guys are playing minutes. Like the fact that James Michael McAdoo suited up and dressed and actually tightened his shoes for 13 games of a 15 game series is a, is a, a show, a show of force. And by the way, for this Warriors team, by the way, as it's weird, like for me, I, sometimes I look at this, uh, 2016, 17 team and how dominant they were. Sometimes I think, man, 2017, 18, they might've had a better bench that year, but I got to look up the roster again. I don't have it on me. Looking at their bench, they pretty much it's just Nick Young, and we know how how much he playing time he really got during that time, and they had Quinn Cook as well. That's about it. But still, yeah, but and their, their play their playoff makeup didn't change. It, Kevon Looney re-entered the chat that year, the next year. It's, the regular season was much worse. They're pretty much Kevon they're Looney pretty much a seven a game seven man rotation with Kevon Looney and Sean Livingston. Are you guys that you're adding to the adding the spice to it where the other guys played mainly for me it was mainly garbage time that's all I saw but back to the thing back to the whole thing now Richard wanted us to make a case why it's almost like why how could the Lakers keep it competitive that's what I felt like we were, we were mean, trying he, to explain for, for the case here here's where I get in it's like all right how are you going to try to defend the Warriors like, how, how are you going to try to piece together and make that happen? Because, like, the Warriors, an elite defensive team here. And I I just, I, I worry a little bit. Like, you know, good thing that the Lakers are relatively young here. Like, relatively young. You got, you got young athletes, stuff like. But how are you going to try to guard the unguardable Kevin Durant? Like, who, who are you who are you allocating to deal with that? And the idea that you're unable to help. Um, off of you know, like it it just feels like you're 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 unable to give the proper help that you need uh, against this Warriors team without without you know paying for it. Like even if you're like, okay, well, we're gonna help off of Draymond, but pretty soon Draymond has the ball, and then Steph's coming off a screen, and now he's open for a shot, right? Same same thing with Clay. And so I I just okay, so like is it is it, is it worthy guarding um, Kevin Durant? Like is is that the Attempted matchup that you do because I'm sorry, thirty uh, nine year old Kareem Abdul Jabbar is just not going to cut it. I mean, I mean, <laughs> so. and like, and like, even how Ethan, like, I thought about this as soon as we were talking about the Lakers. I'm like, this is going to be a big thing. The Lakers, let's say you want Abdul Jabbar for offensive stuff, right? 
I the Warriors, let's be real, they're gonna pick on Kareem so much because yeah, he's not gonna be able to get to the level. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna go up that high or get there in time. And that's pretty much I think the Warriors are gonna have to force the Lakers to the side. Do we want to keep Kareem on the floor for this? Because we know the Warriors aren't gonna make statistically it's impossible to make every single three pointer. But they're gonna make enough that the Lakers have to be like, what can we do with Kareem? Go ahead, Ethan. I'm wondering if we can just the, the way the Lakers get competitive is you just get Michael Thomas to just be a bad father and <laughs> and just belittle Clay to where he doesn't want to play anymore. There we go. Oh, Psychological. No. no, and like, cause cause you know how we talked about how would Shaq keep up with Warriors pick and roll? Like a much larger concern would be Kareem keeping up with that, cause they didn't do spread pick and roll like they did now, and I think that would be it. And then. So then let's just say, like, so Richard talked about, like, all right, we're putting James Worthy on Kevin Durant. Like, either be James Worthy or Michael Cooper. But then the other one, pretty much who between those two, whoever doesn't get Durant's going to go with Klay Thompson. But we know with the Warriors with Klay Thompson, they're just going to keep running him off of screens. And they're just going to keep moving him and and Steph around. And I'm trying to remember the 16-17 Warriors offense, did they ever have plays where Durant was the main ball handler and they had those two guys just moving around? Because I, I know sometimes they let Durant cook. They were just like, you had the, the matchup you need, go ahead and cook. But do they ever have it where Durant got to create some offense or that was rarely? I mean, you could do whatever you – I mean, you could yeah. do literally whatever you wanted to with that team. Yeah, and, and, and that that's what I'm saying. Like, I think – and that's why it's hard. Like, we want to defend – I, I feel like I want to defend the old school. I think you got to want to defend it. You don't just want to be like new school all the way. But I think reality hits with the way that the Warriors offense was constructed, the makeup of their roster, especially. I mean, for me, it's like I don't think we'd be having the same conversation as far as how much we favor the new school if Kevin Durant was not on this team. Like if we had Harrison Barnes instead of Kevin Durant, yeah, the Warriors will still have – they'll still be the Warriors – but Kevin Brandt what took this to the took them to the super level that we're seeing when we're discussing this. And I, I want to defend the Lakers so bad, you guys. I'm telling you that right now. I want to defend them so bad, but it's very hard. When I look at the way modern basketball is played, like they might be able like this is a team that could slow it down enough. I love what LeBron had to do a few times, but even when you saw the 2016-17 finals, what happened then? The Warriors were one win away from doing a full sweep of the entire playoffs. And I think that game four I think the home crowd pretty much pushed the Cavaliers to a win at that point, and the Warriors were like, "Let's just go back home and win." At this point, we don't even or no, they think they won there. I think it was they still did the old format, but that short short side note before before I kick it back to Ethan, like the Lakers play with more pace. This Lakers team played with more pace than the Warriors. So what was their pace? Um, at, uh, 101.6 versus the Warriors 99.8. I w- I would say that makes sense because the '80s basketball was re- known for pace and lack of lack of defense i would say lack of defense but we don't see what we see now but definitely pace you're right i feel like it was like 60s 80s and then like the 2010s the jump that we had mid 2010s were like the big offensive booms of the nba like if you look back where oscar robertson got his triple double the pace was ridiculous at the time but ethan go ahead i think you wanted to make a a point it's it just the warriors are a cheat code like that there's, yeah. there's i think you could drop them in any era even make them less athletic to match up with the time machine like you, you just lose some of your athleticism like curry's always going to be able to like break people down off the dribble and get to mid-range even if you don't shoot threes 
Clay Thompson's always going to be a really good defender. Like so, so you t- let's just say you take you, you go back in time, you take away Clay Thompson's ability to shoot threes. What is he like? Celtic Sam Jones, like just a great defender that's like locking people up. I mean, like these guys are talented on all kinds of levels, and then they got to add Kevin Durant because of a random, like. You know, just honestly, oversight by the NBA and the NBA PA in letting the, the cap spike. Which, by the way, I'm going to say this yeah. on record, that I still get upset when people do the whole thing about Kevin Durant being a snake, yada, yada, yada. The man had a choice where to go, and he chose to go to that team. I don't. There was This wasn't no rivalry between the Warriors and them. They played, I believe it's just one playoff series against each other in 2016. Besides that. And for me, it's just like any job. If you go to a place that you're happy at, be happy. Because I bet you, if Kevin Durant would have never gone to the Warriors, never won a championship, and let's just say he gets close to his retirement age, they would be killing him for not winning a championship. I could, I could feel like that would have happened. Yeah, and I'll say this. Um, is he a snake? No. Is he a loser? Yes. Oh, yes, wow. Yes. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. What's that on his finger? What's that? He got a ring on his finger. So oh. it's, it's like, here's here's the thing. I I mean, yeah. I, I just I worry defensively about this Lakers team, even though I think that defensively they probably like you can you maybe can see oh maybe you have kind of enough people, but the problem is there's never enough people, and like I mean it's it seems like we're going Warriors winning this one. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know how dominant of of a series you guys think it's going to be. Like, I I mean, it's it's a sweeper. It's five, and maybe there's a game. There's a there's a game. There's a game, but there's not a series. Maybe five, maybe six. It's just it's it's, you're it's like I don't see this the seven. I don't. I just and like even if you break it down, all right, final five minutes tie game the the lakers got a couple options that the warriors yeah. got a team yeah like i just here's the t- yeah and and also they have the entire three-point line to bomb from because there's three guys on the team who can shoot from anywhere and then if you you know if you happen to and you got a guy it's just too many options like and the fact with that like we were talking about like you gotta kind of like try to pick on curry is the idea Okay, but like you have to work to do that because Curry's like they they did so much proactive switching. Oh, Curry's two 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 passes away, or, or he's one pass away before he can go set a screen. Hey, Draymond, switch out. I'm gonna go to the corner now. Like they did so much of that stuff, and then there it's it's Iguodala, it's Thompson, it's Durant, it's Green, all elite defenders. Defensive IQ off the charts, and yeah, and so like that's that's the problem with this team. It's not just offense; it's that they can they can bring it and match up and find. They can figure it out, and I, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, Warriors. I think Warriors. And by the way, I just looked this up just for fun. So the series stats for the finals of that year. Uh, Kevin Durant, I forgot about this. He shot forty-seven percent from three, and he was fifty, forty, ninety in that series. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was close to that throughout the playoffs. So for me, there's peak Kevin Durant around this time, and probably could say peak Kevin Durant now. Still, by the way. Except for going against COVID, which that's almost everyone in the NBA now. But Durant was .07 from 50, 40, 90 in those finals, in the free throws. He was he was 56, basically 56 percent from field goal, uh, 44 percent from three, and 89.3 percent from three. 
or from free throw line. In the free throw so line. So he was, he was, he was just a hair under. Why do I have? 90. Why do I have ninety two percent on mine? I'm looking at the whole playoffs. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, I was looking at the finals. But still, though, yeah, no, that's he, crazy. He, for the whole playoffs, he was so close. For which it. is crazy to think. So I'm guessing this leads us to, in our all-time teams bracket, a finals between the 2012 Heat, sorry, the yeah 2012-2013 Heat and the 16-17 Warriors. It's not gonna go well. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> it's just, it's it's so tough. I'll like, say this: um, if you, you want to look at Game One the next year when J.R. Smith bungled it, there's no J.R. Smiths on this team other than Mario Chalmers is probably the closest um, person of who would just bungle bungle a uh, 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 knowing the assignment situation. Like the Heat have shooters, like you, you, they they probably wouldn't survive in a shootout, but they have some shooters to stick around. LeBron um, is is you know we he still had a good series against the Warriors like. You know, Iguodala, you know, won an MVP the year, two years, the two years before because he held him to a triple double, basically, <laughs> you know, like the Heat have a good chance because everyone on the team other than Dwayne Wade can shoot. But I think we go back. They, uh, I think we go back to the Durant thing of as far as uh, I mean, it's the obvious thing where you kind of look at honestly, I know they aren't the same team, the Cavaliers and the Heat. And then you have a different LeBron, but it almost felt like the 2018 LeBron. By the time he got there, was almost a culmination of his intelligence, post-up game, everything. I mean, he wasn't as efficient as he was in his Miami years, which is one thing Miami years definitely has. Go ahead. I mean, you, you lose a little bit of defense too. Yeah, like that, that, that was the thing. Because like oh, 12, oh, it's like 12, 13 LeBron. I mean, props to. I mean, I get the award is hard to win sometimes, but I feel like LeBron should have. I feel like he should have won one of those awards during that heat, that heat stretch, because he was one of the best defensive players during that time. And it was him who was guarding, doing a lot of the heavy duty guarding of those, the better players. And it's it's not to say that again, LeBron can't like ramp it up when he needs to, and you know, in a series like this, he would need to. But that's, it, it's, it's still not like. He could still, I think, get to a a higher peak level um, defensively with the, with the Heat team. But again, I just offensively, I think more came together because again, when, when you when you go to Cleveland, it's all right, LeBron and shooters, and you see an uptick in assists. You see an uptick in because you've got the floor spread. You, yeah. you see also a even more shift in his where those shots are coming from. Um, like you said, like offensively, it's kind of a culmination in uh, into all the things that he's picked up. Uh, by the time we get to that Cleveland, it's like if you could like pair together that along with like the athleticism and defense and all like from the Heat, then it's like okay, well not not now we're cooking. It's just it's just, like the game plan for for the Heat. I I'm, I'm just I'm trying to figure out like what like I don't know. I I just and sometimes I, well, go ahead. You like, Ethan go first and then. Oh, I I was saying like the, the game. I think the game plan for the Heat would have to have been just like they're they're, they're playing their small stuff and they still have some they still have some size out there. But again, there's no there's no Kevin Durant fixer for this this lineup. Like LeBron would have to guard Kevin Durant because aside from Shane Battier, who was at this time um, 11 years into his career, like he's getting old. He's not the Shane Battier that you <laughs> you necessarily uh, signed up for. Like when you drafted him, like with the second or third overall pick if you're the Grizzlies. 
like we're we're just looking at like that that, that thirty four year old's your second best option to guard Kevin Durant. I think that's and, tough. and that's honestly I don't know. It's like you read my mind right there. I was going to talk about who do the Heat have to throw at Kevin Durant compared to we've seen this story play out before. Who do the Warriors have to throw at LeBron? They won't completely stop LeBron because we saw LeBron's stats. He's gonna get he's gonna produce in those finals against those Warriors. But you're able to throw even a Draymond Green. You're able to throw Iguodala. You're able to throw a Clay Thompson out there. I think sometimes you had Sean Livingston get cross matched on LeBron, but it was like he was too too skinny for LeBron. But you have these Warriors who can throw guys at LeBron that could at least like make where make him. I don't want to say think, but he's gonna have to work a little bit harder. And we see Iguodala like even Iguodala later on. I mean in those finals. I still remember, I think it might have been 16-17 finals. After Kevin Durant made the pull-up three in game three, LeBron tried to respond, and Igu- as he went up for the corner three, Iguodala stripped the ball out of his hand. I remember, I remember, I think that was that was that game, and I'm like, like Iguodala, and you're giving me a, I know Iguodala's in his mid-30s at this time, but he was still a good, ma- as far as the work to trust him on LeBron. I think that's my issue where uh, the words have more. And then, let's just say LeBron does all his stuff i feel like the warriors are able to handle those key other players for the heat better than the heat can handle the key other players of the warriors i'm, I'm hoping that makes sense to you guys like i'm thinking of, of like a bosch how the warriors deal with bosch and wade compared to how the heat would have to deal with steph and clay and i feel like the warriors are definitely more equipped to deal with those heat players i do i do think the heat would be really good at minimizing possessions in general, like keeping the pace down. And I don't, I don't see how, I don't see how anyone's going to just get like go off other than Kevin Durant. Like I think Curry would have his hands full with, with between Wade, like Mario Chalmers, like harassing him on, on ball. Like I think he would have his hands full to like get off and like have a Steph Curry MVP series. I think he'd have a hard time doing that. But I, then again, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Kevin Durant would have a hard time if you could. If he can shed LeBron with with a screen, I don't think there's a good option, and that's 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 a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, I, I think it's like okay. Well, you think okay. Well, you know, you get Wade to go ahead and throw at uh, you know, at Curry. Oh, actually, we we need we need Wade on clay. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I actually, I actually am a hundred percent okay with wh- whoever the old, old body is. Cause like, again, while they're not good defenders, like Clay's not dribbling past any of them. So go ahead and let Ray Allen do it. Go ahead and let uh, Shane Battier do it. Like do whatever you got to do. I don't care about Clay Thompson. He's going to, he's going to get open and he's going to make the shots he takes so, at, at the clip he does. He's just, I, I don't think he's going to get a lot of open shots against this heat defense, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to get very many open ones. Okay. But then, okay. So are we like... I think the strategy with with Clay is you you hold, you, you stay tied to Clay's body and, and try to play a four on four game. So, well, so so do we have a? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of space for for, for is, some people to hop break. Okay, but would you rather have Clay open three pointers, or would well, no, you rather have Clay, like, Steph Curry, and Durant contested ones? That's like those no. are your options. But like so, okay. Putting, That's like, why this Ray team Allen, doesn't Shane get Daddy beat by anyone. This is why this team doesn't get beat, Richard. I mean, I, I think that's yeah. – I mean, Ethan brings up a point where you – that's what it was during that season. You guys all remember. It's pick your poison. You have to – and it's literal poison on the basketball court. And that's why it was such an unfair thing that happened when Kevin Durant went there. Like, people don't want – people want to say, like, well, it was allowed by the NBA, yada, yada, yada. But 
competitively, I would be, it's still unfair. Like, the advantage that they had, there's a reason why they won those two championships in a row. Yes, teams did beat them. But at the end of the day, with this team, like, I, I get worried because you remember how – so in the previous conversation, we talked about in the bowl versus T, like, who do they – who do the Heat have coming off the bench? Who do they have in there? Like, I just worry that the Warriors, the Warriors won't need much from anyone else. Like, they kind of just have Kevin Durant and then just have people chip in and contribute there. And, like, LeBron – I think LeBron will still go off. I think LeBron will still have the series that he did have against those Warriors. I think he's still going to get to those 30 points a game, close to triple-double if he needs to. But the problem is that the Warriors are going to make him not as efficient. And where do you guys see, like, for the Heat to make this a competitive series, what would they have to do besides LeBron? So, so I have a question. It's a hypothetical. Like, if, if we're thinking basically, okay, well, like, the, the Warriors are just – it's too tough of a, ma- tough of a matchup for, for, for this Heat team. And, and the way with the way that we've talked, it's like, hey, well, maybe we can put, like, Ray Allen or, or Shane Betty in being able to, you know, stick on clay a little bit. Like, it feels like it minimizes Chalmers a little bit. So, so here's the question. Who is the worst player that you could bring in to replace Mario Chalmers that you think would be able to put this Heat team over the top? It's a, it's a tough – question to put be put on the spot for but it's like oh you're, so you're saying just sub in random dude that's gonna harass curry and shoot threes i mean i, I don't know like who who because if you think that Dwayne wade's gonna be guarding curry like if, if that's the matchup that that you want to put there then i don't know what Dwayne's gonna do he's just gonna he's i think he, i think i'd put Dwayne on egadala and livingston okay. and those yeah those give guys. me okay. like, that's, that's what i'm thinking I mean, like give me the guys who aren't gonna shoot the threes so he can help off and try to help protect the rim a little bit and, and be able to flow a little more. But then like, okay, you want, you want, you, you, Iguodala is going to drive off a closeout. Okay. I feel okay with the Wade in that situation. Livingston's going to work into the mid range. Okay. We want Livingston shooting mid rangers instead of Curry and clay shooting threes. Like obviously things are going to get cross matched a lot. Cause there's a mm-hmm. high heavy screening team. But if you, if you say, Ethan, where do you want Dwayne going? I want him guarding Iguodala. I want him guarding, um, Sean Livingston. I want him guarding whatever other guard comes off the bench. I want him guarding Draymond Green. I don't care what Draymond does because Draymond can't shoot either. I okay. want I want I want Dwayne guarding the guys who can't shoot. So when he does help, he's helpful. Yeah. Because um, Dwayne has great instincts defensively. Body and stuff was fa- failing him towards this stage, but his instincts and his IQ were still off the charts and incredible. Like he's gonna have a heart. Like, again, he are heavily underdog, heavy underdogs here. Right. But, like I think the best way to utilize Dwayne Wade is where he can help play help defense as much as possible. He, he's gonna he's gonna have his he's gonna get bullied by Curry some because he's gonna get switched on to him. But I think like, you want your little hound dogs just like staying in front of Curry as much as possible, which would be Mario Chalmers, Nor- Norris Cole, and the few minutes he plays. Like just all right, get out there and try. It's all we yeah, got. Nor- Try. Norris Cole, Nor- Cole minutes are, are oof. Okay. Um, so I guess they, there wasn't really an answer. I mean, I guess if you if you had a better big that could make that could and not to say that it's not like keep Bosch, but like if you know you you Udonis Haslam was like you know kind of your starter that this 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 year and it was kind of the token start, but like maybe maybe that's the direction where it's like if you had somebody else that you trust a little bit more and that I, I don't know it's just it's tough um well if, if you gave the if you gave the heat like an Iguodala who's like a ball mover mm-hmm. non-shooter 
instead of Haslam? Oh, hold on a second. We got a guy who can switch. We got a guy who can attack the rim a little bit. We got a guy who can pass really well. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, we're, we're still at a deficit shooting-wise. But mm -hmm. the ball is bouncing. The ball is moving. Like, healthy, healthy offensive touches for every player. Whereas if Udonis Haslam caught the ball on the Heat's offense, playing against a team mm -hmm. as good a defense as the Warriors, it's like – Dang it! We just lost the possession because he had to touch the ball. Right. I mean, but, you know, and, that's, and so it's I think like you that's can grind like, it better if you have someone like that. I mean, but it we just need someone you, who can move. It just it. showed you guys how much four or five years make a difference in the NBA because with the around the Heat time, twelve thirteen, you're just beginning. I mean, you had the Heat with the Shane Battier putting them in getting more minutes, small ball lineup, but you had the NBA finally turning like, hey, we need more. You want more swing players all around on the perimeter, more switchability. People began looking at that more closely, and then. Four or five years later, the Warriors come. That's when you're seeing – you begin seeing a culmination of that. Like, that's four or five-year difference right there because the Warriors have more guys who can switch than the Heat do. And that's just – I mean, the Heat are a product of their time. Even though it's like four or five years, that's the way people were constructing. their life. And the Heat were considered more ahead of their time too with having Bosch play center and shoot threes. Well, so th these aren't guys who made like the playoff roster. But just listen to like some of the names that the Heat ran through this season. So in the guard division, it's Norris Cole and Chalmers. Those are the only guard, like point guards, that made the roster this year. We got a Tyrell Harris that came through. Don't really, not important. And then listen to all these bigs: Udonis Haslam, Jarvis Fernando. Uh, at, at one point, I think still might be uh, SEC leader in career blocks out of Mississippi State. Um, Juwan Howard on his deathbed. <laughs> um, Joel Anthony still on the team. Um, Josh Harrelson. Dexter Pittman, you see what I'm saying? Is all those swings at trying to find a center that was never important for the Heat. Those like go back a year, two years before. Ronnie Turiaf played for the Heat. Did you guys know this? Big Z played for the Heat. Greg Oden played for the Heat. All these like swings at a center. When they had Chris Bosch, when they had even Chris Birdman Anderson, when they had Udonis Haslam, who was still like a like a perfect center fit if you needed a center to play with Chris Bosch. Like all those swings could have went on like a Gerald Green, and I'm talking, I'm saying like a Nick Young for like shooting. I mean, like all these like diff different types of swing wing even, players that you know who knows with Heat culture maybe could have been a better yeah, defender. Even like an Iguodala who became a who left the Nuggets after that season, and then he came over to the Warriors in 2013. Given it's almost late, but before when he went to Nuggets, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's a product of that time. You want to look, you see how what happened with like Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert highly valued in 2012, 2013. 2013, 2014, almost no value at that point. Ran ran out of the NBA because yeah. he couldn't and move. That's what's, and that's just four or five year difference because if you look at the way rosters are constructed now, like if you don't have, honestly, if you don't have a roster, you have like a player you can throw in there. If you got to switch a lot, you can throw these guys in there. What's going to happen? Teams are just going to try to switch you to death until they get that matchup they want. And we saw that with, I mean, the Warriors would do that a lot. Even LeBron, Cavaliers would do that a lot. Heck, the Warriors would do that. They want to get a favorable matchup for Durant or Steph Curry. That's what they did. Let's just pick, set a pick here, set a pick here, and now we got the matchup. Let's go. And even in, in this day and age, and in, in, in if we're again yeah, current rules, which is you know, removing the grift, well, guess what? No one of this Warriors team is really, like, you, they don't need to grift, right? They don't need, you know, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the, the Kevin Durant kind of, you know, rift through pull-up. Obviously, he's probably not there, but at the same time, it's guess what? Guess guess who's able to score in droves this year? Kevin Durant, right? Steph Curry, and you know Clay Thompson's able to do his thing. He's not. He's going out there and just shooting. He's not like so. So it's like I don't think this team's offense gets hurt um, uh, with 
kind of the rule changes that we see or rule emphasis that we see implemented this year compared to you know their era um and again it's just a an issue of like like you said ethan if, if they are able to have the you know those swings that they place on the centers if they're able to have those and maybe get another another wing player obviously we're dealing with like minimum players but if you're doing that maybe, maybe get lucky yeah, I mean, I'm just like looking at random guys who have like like bounced on the league that could shoot a little bit. Like, like this, like he didn't play a lot. He played 56 games this season. Like a Deshaun Stevenson was still like bouncing around the league. Just a guy who is big and could sh- catch and shoot here and there. Like he he shot 36% from three this year, which was pretty like it was still like that's like 77th in the league. I'm like looking. Trevor Ariza um, was in Washington. He probably would have costed too much money. Like, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. If we could have took swings on guys like that instead of Dexter Pittman, even a Kyle Singler being a bum in Detroit. Uh, like, I'm I just mean, saying. Like, like, Kyle Singler has no, ha, would have no no place in, in this I agree. Team. Not I, one Matt, place. B- Matt Barnes. Again, like, like, just, yeah, I'm looking, ooh, I'm looking Matt here. Matt Barnes on the Warriors. <laughs> not not that year, I don't think. I'm looking here. Not, not in the, not in the, he, the Heat year, the Heat yeah. year. No, yeah, not, the heat. Not, not the Heat year. Yeah, I'm looking here at the free agent tracker from 2012. Like Ethan's right. Like even a like Jeff Green was one of the free agents. Like imagine a Jeff Green with this. Like I know, bring it back. He was getting paid though back then. Wasn't yeah. He? By the way, Michael Beasley was a free agent. I'm just gonna say that. I know there's no way. Yeah, to... that would have been like, the fourth. That would have been his third time. Or the problem time, is, by the way, came later. Where I'm looking LeBron at left. this is, I think I do think of like how people are getting paid because you had like a Nicholas Batum, which he got paid. So there's no way that he could have gotten him. But there were smaller guys like Ethan did bring up. Like you had players that you can put in like swing players but we know how it turned out i mean they got two championships out of it but now for facing them with what we currently have now that's where things change where you look at oh okay now they don't stack up maybe as well with a team that did spend money on more swing players yeah and say i really don't think like in the moment like i think the heat were of the mindset we have lebron james what do we need like it you know it's like the old uh Old offensive coordinator. I think he works for the Cardinals now. Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Last name Moore. I think Tom Moore or something like that. They, they said, why, why don't you have a backup quarterback? Uh, why don't you ever guys invest in a better backup quarterback for Peyton Manning? And then he said a very colorful thing about we don't plan for something. If, because Peyton Manning's out, we're something. That, I think that was the Heat's perspective on the small forward. If we don't have LeBron James, well, it doesn't matter. And, and, and do, you, do you think it's like, again, the, the emphasis on, oh, like at this time where it's like positions, like, hey, LeBron James is our small forward. He's our position without necessarily, you know, thinking that, oh, well, if we, I mean, I know that this, they kind of like lucked into the, you know, going small with Bosch, but not thinking, oh, well, if we do that, then that opens up, you know, these extra spots. Obviously you have bad eight, but it's like, you know, we have one more, maybe, maybe you're there, maybe you're, there, maybe you're good. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I'm just thinking about, like, you know, the Heat tried out Greg Oden at one point in this big three. Like, I would have rather had a dip, like, taken it, like, hindsight 2020. I would have took a gamble on, like, the Brandon Roy renaissance in the Heat culture and training staff, right? Like, both didn't work out. Both, and Brandon Roy was playing for Minnesota this year on a minimum, not doing anything. I'm just saying, like, those are the kind of, like, that's how we could have switched it. That's how we could have changed things around. And th- those are the ways that the Heat could have been maybe a little bit better equipped to be the all-time greatest team. And I think it would have helped them against the Spurs. It would have helped them against any other team as well. Because all those centers, they weren't doing nothing. Yeah. Jay yeah. Crowder was still a minimum guy at this time. He was bouncing around. 
Like he was in Dallas. He hadn't even made it to the Celtics yet. Um, Luol Deng was still good, so he doesn't count. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I, for a second, I was thinking about Luol by Deng. The way, like, by the way, you were right. You were right about Gerald Green, though. Man, that would have been a good flyer to take a good flyer. I remember the Pacers signed him that offseason, by the way. But yeah. I think so. The Heat brought him in a couple years later. Like, he, he made it to the team eventually. So looking at the series, how many games would you guys see the series going to, though? I, I can't see the Heat winning some games or a game at least. I can see them being able to, I I can see them pulling that off. I think I think the the series is over in six with the Warriors winning, but I think the Warriors have two blowouts where they're just bombing the threes. Curry's like lost Mario Chalmers is just demoralized. Dwayne Wade's too old, can't keep up with with Steph Curry, and he's just, just demoralizing losses. But I think the Heat get two games where they now now are we talking about are in it and they now, win them. Are we looking at a series let's say that ends in six, but we go into game five going we have a game five being going three one or a two two game five? Um, I hadn't thought about that part yet. I just think I think the Heat would play four games close, win two of them, and then they would get blown out twice. Makes sense, Richard. Where do you stand? Yeah, I, I I feel like it's like a you know six ish is kind of where 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 I'm feeling it where it's like you know even though it's kind of close it's like okay yeah this is this is the better team, um, and it's I think it's just it's difficult to um, to overcome the you know just the undeniability of Kevin Durant we mentioned earlier you're like oh well if if this is the you know, warriors of you know the, the previous team where, where it's Harrison Barnes there, and it's like, okay, then yeah, where where the Miami Heat team is probably coming out with win, but added throw, throwing Kevin Durant in there, and we get because of that crazy jump, and you still have the depth. This is like the one situation where it's like you joined and created a super team without losing losing your you know depth like Andre Iguodala or something like that, right? It's you were able to do all of this and still retain the depth. Like that's what makes this team so, um, so unbeatable in my in my estimation. And again, it just like the only thing that you could argue that this team lost in terms of playing in every era, you know, thrown back in the '60s. But like you know, you, you deteriorate some of the skills to make it fair. Is like, oh well, they lost their big guy. And Andrew Bogut and had a Zaza and a David West, but David West would have, you know, ate Bill Russell's lunch if you just dropped him in a time machine. Oh no, Bill Russell slandered to end the podcast. Okay, yeah, I think it's a good time to end. Let's end right now. Championships don't count before the.